0: this is the rock and roll autopsy podcast all right i'm gonna zap her again charge up the paddles come on let's go let's go sorry don't Hold the compressions. Clear.
1: Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott. And have we got a great show for you tonight? No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing again. It's the request line. All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Hey, breather, what's going on, man? Yeah, you're right. We have an explicit content warning on our podcast. Mature audiences only. What do you mean? If our old-ass audience was any more mature, they'd be dead. Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? I said, (laughs) Darling Nikki by Prince. You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Darling Nikki by the purple one, Prince and the Revolution. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. Iron Man returns. Ozfest is back. Let me hear you, yeah. Featuring Ozzy Osbourne and the- Motley Crew. Yeah. Plus, yeah. Halford, Black Label Society, yeah. and more. Coming to a city near you. Ozfest. The make me, I don't Get local ticket information at livenation.com
0: breaking news
1: what is this garbage you're watching i want to watch the news this is the news all right gang we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter rico cronkite on the line seven time silver sow award winner Mr. Cronkite, how are you tonight, sir? Freezing my
0: ass off in this cold-ass Northeast Ohio winter, but it's okay. We only have about another month of this, and then it'll be okay. Jesus, stupid, right? I mean, at least I I feel sorry for those poor suckers that have to stand out by the bus stop before the sun comes up and put their kids on the bus. Who might those?
1: Who might those poor suckers be? I wonder. I don't know, man. I don't know,
0: but I feel sorry for every one of you out there that have to do that. But uh, anyway, we got a lot to get to, so let's let's start small and work our way up. So, um, just recently, maybe last couple days, I saw Paul
1: Gilbert was doing a do album. Did you see that? I mean like the metallica 72 seasons it's must be the new thing in music i mean just dropping it out of nowhere i mean nothing no breadcrumbs no idea and then out of nowhere a dio instrumental tribute album from paul gilbert i kind of like i kind of like that they're doing it this way it kind of
0: keeps you on your toes right it really does man when you're when you don't tease it and when you don't hint towards it and you just fucking drop it out of nowhere man it makes it more exciting
1: doesn't it i think so have you listened to uh holy diver yet i certainly did i listened to the um i listened to the instagram teaser that he did on the giant like upright that he had across his lap and then uh and then of course i went and listened to the song and i mean it's fucking great man i mean it's paul gilbert dude i'm looking forward to hearing his interpretations of the uh sabbath and rainbow dio, song, dio songs as well no i and, fucking loved it yeah me too it was awesome he's uh you know as as
0: you and our other listener might know um over the last year or so paul gilbert has really tickled my fancy and so anything he does is is i'm, I'm all ears in fact saw a video I, I i i can't remember where i saw it i have to dig it up and send it to you but um i there's a shot of him playing a stand-up bass sideways like a guitar yeah
1: yeah i mean that's how you've he, seen that that's how he teased the uh, dio song on okay. instagram yeah he had a, like a distortion pedal hooked up to it. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 uh ridiculous, but uh in a really great way so i thought it was cool Um, though rico because i mean usually when i've heard him do vocals with guitar he'll usually use a slide and so i'm hoping that he does that he didn't do that on this holy diver uh, track but i'm hoping he does that elsewhere on the road. me
0: too me too because he's really sick with the slide and and uh i mean sure he can he can uh dance his way up and down the fretboard but when he plays some more bluesy kind of stuff more uh more of that kind of more feel oriented stuff boys he fantastic so we're really looking forward to it as well um breaking news kind of but not really the rock hole noms are out um have you've you've seen the list right you know i
1: saw the (laughs) rock (laughs) are we going there i mean i mean we kind of have to don't we I I saw the Rock Hall had announced that they were going to be putting this list out this week. So I waited with bated breath and uh, and I'm being sarcastic, but but saw the list. Um, I'm just going to toss it to you. uh, Thoughts? (laughs) can can
0: can a musical organization can maybe we should autopsy the rock hall
1: can we do that did they contribute to the death of rock (laughs) (laughs) i mean we tried rico and it's one of our most under listened to i know (laughs) no one wants to talk about the rock hall
0: yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna do this i'm just gonna i'm just gonna ask you if you saw the list obviously we we, everybody knows how we feel about the rock hall it's a shit show although missy elliott's on it i I'm a big fan of Missy Elliott. I hope she gets in. Willie Nelson, fuck Dolly Parton's in. Why not throw Willie Nelson in there?
1: Uh for fuck's <laughs> sake.
0: Um w- whatever. Okay, next.
1: Well, um, hold on. Hold okay, on. Okay, good. I'm you're baiting me into this, but overall, <laughs> I'm going to comment on the list. Overall, yeah, um you know, worthy acts, you know, I don't know if they're all necessarily Hall of Fame worthy, but oh, sure. worthy acts um a little light on the you know i think it's debatable how many are rock acts but i think that argument has kind of been beat to death um so i'll just ask you this is there anybody yeah. on the list that you're pulling for i, I mean let's um, just the whole debate as to whether or not you know they're worthy or whether or not it qualifies to be in a rock hall but are there is there an act on the list an actor two? okay that would really like to see get it yeah i, I pr- probably okay I don't, I'm
0: pulling for, I'm pulling for prob, probably Iron Maiden. Um, probably going to pull for Rage. Um, I'm going to pull for Willie. Um, he's legend. And I'm going to pull for Missy Elliott,
1: dude. I'm a big fan of hers. No, um, I agree with all your selections, but um, no thoughts on Soundgarden. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean I, I gotta add yeah, they if I'm gonna pull for rage, I gotta
1: pull for Soundgarden <laughs> right? I mean they do have a shared history because of audio slave but I mean True. I think you could make I think there's an interesting conversation again, if we set aside all the cliched rock hall conversations right. you could have an interesting True. debate about Soundgarden a shorter career. I think they have five or six studio albums. let me let me quickly think one, two, three, four. Uh, I think they have six or seven studio albums somewhere in there shorter career um are they worthy you know I mean you can have a legitimate debate there this is more of a question I think probably you could answer than me I mean do you think they're worthy I'm pretty biased because I'm a huge fan. I think they're super creative. I think uh, Kim Thale with all his crazy tunings, writing songs and like open E tuning and shit like that. I mean, I think their records are super creative. I think Chris Cornell absolutely, as just a front man, his contributions to rock are enormous. He belongs in. I think you could put him in alone. So, yeah, I think, they, I think they're worthy, but I also could see where someone could make an argument just based on kind of the thinness of the catalog, I guess, and what a short window of time that they were actually a functioning band. You know, you can make an argument. I mean, I don't know that I would agree with it, but I think someone could certainly make a, you know, a, a cohesive argument that maybe they don't belong.
0: See, and that's kind of that's. Kinda, I, I certainly don't disagree with you as to why maybe you think they should go in, but on the other hand, the big thing for me is the longevity. The thinness of the career is what really sticks out for me. Now, is there other acts in there that have kind of a smallest sort of a catalog, if you will, and sort of a smallest sort of a, yeah. Sex Pistols, um, one record, yeah, one Guns N' Roses, like one I mean, record. The, the fact that the Sex Pistols are in on one short album just throws that whole fucking argument out the window. So, um, if that's the case, then fuck yeah, throw them in, man. Uh, Chris Cornell, t- to your point on Kim Thale, genius. Um, Chris Cornell, one of the greatest rock singers ever, in my opinion, certainly deserves to be in there. So, yeah, I'll 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 push for them
1: too just pulled up the wiki they have six records the first one came out in 88 and then the last one came out in 2012 but they had a huge break they were essentially functioning in the grunge era from 88 to 96 and then they were out of commission for a long time before making one more record in 2012. I mean haven't we always said the short the short catalog is the better way to go get in get out while you're on top right? I mean, they don't have a bad record. I mean, it's you know, some people might argue exactly. the first one, but um, but yeah, I mean, their their catalog's tits top to bottom. So they're, right. they didn't they didn't put out enough. They weren't around long enough to make a mistake, you know. Precisely,
0: they got out while they were still good. They did another one later on down the road, and uh yeah, dude, I I, I have to agree with you. I have to push for them like uh the other people on my list. What about you?
1: Who you put besides them? Obviously, who are you pulling for? I mean, I'm going to v- uh, listen. I've kind of had enough of hearing Eddie Trunk complain on <laughs> the radio and Twitter. Let's just get I think the rock hall should have have a class where they just put in like five metal bands and shut everybody up. So just put in Rage, put in Maiden put in fucking motorhead just a one yard. year where they dump them all in there right? just get just, them all in there <laughs> and then afterwards they can turn it into whatever kind of hall of fame they want so that they can sell tickets 25 <laughs> right. years from now when rock is dead so they can you know what i mean but just get no, them in. I, just just
0: have 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 a year where you're just throwing them all in there just to yeah. shut everybody up
1: just take the rock and roll laxative and shit them all in there in <laughs> one year
0: Eddie Trunk's been Trunks been driving that fucking train for way too long now, so um, yeah, that's so, where I'm at. Just put all the rock bands in, get it over it. with. Just do it. Um, so uh, back in and in, in every, everybody ought to know this by now. So like back in 2003 um, was really the, at the the beginning of the end of Ozzy Osbourne's career as a as a singer. He got in that bad ATV accident and fucked himself up pretty bad right and uh that's where the rods came from and all that other jazz and well a couple of years ago he fell um because he's old and that's what happens when you fall sometimes you fall because you lose your balance right or whatever happened but f- fucked himself f- fucked up the shit that was already fucked up okay <laughs> and so um a couple days ago he he called it a day he, he's, he can't he's not he's not touring anymore he's done He physically can't do it. He's just his body is a wreck and and he's you know the parkinson's on top of that which I'm not sure how the hell he's controlling that. Um you really can't. But uh you know his body's a wreck from that ATV accident, man. So yeah, if anybody has not seen Ozzy, myself included, you're you're no soup for you because you're not going to get a chance
1: to see him. Yeah, you know Rico, I mean I guess sad to see, but you know, let's be, let's just be, can we be real here? We were real like a couple of weeks ago with Lisa Marie. Can we just be real with Ozzy? Yeah. It, Ozzy's fucking that. lucky to be alive in any capacity. Well, okay? that's true. That's true. I'm surprised he hasn't OD'd about 17 different times. Exactly. He's lucky he survived the 70s. He's lucky he survived the 80s. He's lucky he survived the 90s. He's lucky to be around, period. The fact that that guy had a career, especially someone with as little talent as Ozzy Osbourne has, that he had a career that spanned, you know, five decades is fucking amazing, man. So, you know, I mean... mean, More power to you, but, like, he hasn't made a good record since, like, oh, God, probably since No More Tears. You have to go back to, like, the early 90s. So, I mean, it's been over for a while for Ozzy. I'm not trying to hate. I mean, dude, but Ozzy Osbourne is the Forrest Gump of rock and roll. He was just... He's had guys, I mean, Geezer wrote lyrics in Sabbath, you know. He had uh he's had Lemmy and Bob Daisley writing lyrics for him as a solo artist, you know. The other then he hires great musicians to write the music. He's just he's Forrest Gump, man. I mean Dude, for
0: a long time he's been like fucking scotch tape and fucking smoking mirrors and uh, yeah, dude, You're not banging on him. Like you're you and Ozzy right now is like me and Lars. Like we're not like I res- we respect these guys for what they've done, but like you're right, dude. He hasn't done much in a really long time. And and at his peak, he was just kind of like not spectacular, right?
1: <laughs> I mean he was a guy who right place, right leveraged- time, right? I mean he leveraged the whole prince of darkness thing to it uh, to the nines i mean he bit heads off bats and he was the bad boy of rock and roll he was kind of sure know, shock and rock Sh- kind of thing and and sharon sharon went tony soprano and everybody and made
0: sure that his her husband had a career for a while and so yep. like he owes a lot of it to her
1: for sure But Ozzy was a part of amazing records. The Ozzy Sabbath era is amazing. It's all classic shit. The early Ozzy stuff, the first three solo records, you know, uh, Diary of a Madman, Blizzard of Oz, Bark the Moon, amazing, amazing stuff. He he gave us Randy Rhodes, you know, but but Ozzy himself, just kind of like one of the luckiest dudes to ever (laughs) have a career. Well, him and Iggy Pop, man, are the two luckiest Hey, 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 hey.
0: Come on now. Um, but yeah, man, hey, congrats to him on a long career. He's loved everybody loves Ozzy. Like, to your point, he's put out some really memorable stuff from like 1970 to probably mid-80s. There's a lot of memorable stuff there that we're never gonna forget. We're gonna enjoy it, probably those of us that are over 45, but um yeah dude good luck to him you know he's still gonna do that show i'm not sure how that's gonna turn out but you know <laughs> we'll, we'll find out but um one, one more before we take a break uh so you know how pantera they got those couple of shows over in europe canceled right yeah okay so um they, they've been those spots have been filled by the, by the foo fighters actually um yeah the foo fighters are taking pantera spot and those summer festivals over in Germany. And uh, so so yes, they are continuing to tour and to be a band without Taylor Hawkins is the big point of this. Um, they have yet to name their drummer.
1: That um, was my question.
0: Yeah, they have yet to name the drummer. I'm sure that they already have that lockdown and they've already been rehearsing. Um, but but uh, there's a lot of speculation, dude. There's some speculation it might be Taylor Hawkins' kid who played a couple of the tribute shows and did really well, actually um, it, for me, it would make the most sense if it was his kid that did it. Uh, but who knows, man, it could be, it could be anybody shit, but they're still going to tour dude. I mean, I, I know they're, they're not your favorite band in the world, but how do you feel when the drummer drummer's kind of an integral part of the band, right? I mean, all the instruments play a very important part, but When your drummer dies, is it how easy is it? Do you think it is to move on and to keep touring as a band? I mean,
1: okay, well, it depends on the band, but I do think that you can have a shitty singer, shitty well, you have to have a singer with presence, but he can be technically a shitty singer. True, you can have guys who are shitty guitar players, but you kind of got to have a guy who can play drums, you can't really have a shitty drummer. It's like, unless you're Metallica. I think, uh aha, I think Keith Richards said that like the Rolling Stones couldn't be the Rolling Stones without Charlie Watts, right? Because he has a certain feel to his playing, you know, we'll find out right now, unfortunately. But um, but I think, you know, I don't think you can have like, I think Tool has to have, you know, Danny Carey, right? I mean, I think, you know, I think ACDC sounds best with Phil Rudd, you know, I think you got to have a guy who's kind of like, that's like the heartbeat of the band. But to your point about his son i mean it's not unheard of right i mean jason bonham filled in for his dad for zeppelin shows um very true seen wolfgang van halen step into van halen and so it's not you know it's this has happened before i mean dweezil zappa has been playing his dad's stuff forever so i mean i rico it makes sense to me i mean the kid freaking killed it in that tribute he show, sure did We so can do it i mean as he long sure as he's the hell did like mature enough to handle touring with a bunch of 50 year old men you know, <laughs> you know. so uh,
0: the other th- the other question i have is like this is in dave Grohl's career now this is the second time where a really important part of his career has died because of some kind of issue if you will i mean it's got to be man at what point in time do you just say Fuck it and call it a day i mean this is the second time this has happened to him now. That's got to be hard, you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, I think he's a lifer though.
1: I mean, yeah. I think he's a lifer.
0: I mean, it's part of the biz, right? I mean, how many how many people have ate it in rock because of issues, right? It, it happens. I, it's happened a million times.
1: Yeah, and hip hop and just, you know, just that in the music scene in general, but well. I don't know. I mean, I think Roll's a lifer. I mean, he's had unbelievable success, but I can't resist taking a jab at the Foo Fighters. So Pantera is, wouldn't expect anything less out of you. Thank you. So Pantera is having some issues overseas because of, you know, Phil Anselmo's past, uh, you know his controversies that are following him around. We talked about this last week. Go listen yep. to that episode. But point being, if you're ever going to get a squeaky, queen, a squeaky clean act to come in and uh, not cause any issues and be totally acceptable to everyone, it would be the Foo Fighters. So it's just funny that you know, in the uh, you know in the shadow of Pantera's uh, questionable reputation, who do you fill? <laughs> What act do you call upon to like them their place that will not cause most, any problems? That's right the, the most vanilla band in all of rock would my be po- the Foo thank fighters. You. you as I'm tripping over my words, you do a better <laughs> job of summing it up. They're that's the, exactly most, they're, the they're the most boy scouty vanilla rock
0: hard rock band like I've probably ever heard in my lifetime.
1: Thank you. It's exactly what I was trying to say. I knew what you meant. Hilarious. Smart for the promoters to call upon the foo fighters.
0: You know, smart move on their part. You you could throw them on stage for a couple hours and not have to worry about a damn thing. Right.
1: (laughs) I mean, well, here's a question though. I mean, I think audiences overseas are a little more um, open to like, they have more diverse festivals over there than we do here outside of Lollapalooza. But, um, I wonder if audiences who were buying tickets to see Pantera will be happy to see the Foo Fighters instead. Is there enough common kind of ground? Is there enough shared DNA between the Foo Fighters and Pantera to please the same audience? I say no. No,
0: I'm agreeing with you on that because um, generally speaking from, from what I know about Eastern Europe and Scandinavia, as far as their musical tastes, they like they like it a little harder and a little heavier and a little a little more edgy than what I'm than what I think the, the Foo Fighters bring. And no, I, it's not the same. Um, they're not close to Pantera, and on that end, I think uh, I don't know, man. I I think uh, people over there might. F- Think Foo Fighters are a little too vanilla for them, but it's a safe it's a safe band to put in there. It's not like they're not popular; they are. Right. So I mean, they'll do well, but right, those people that were looking for Pantera are not going to get it from the Foo Fighters. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it would make more sense to have like I mean, Metallica and Pantera will be touring together in twenty four. So. Uh, uh, you know I don't think actually no I'm sorry 23-24 I think but so I yeah. mean Metallica I think would be a, a make more sense you know they have a record to promote yes. and there's much more shared kind of DNA and you can't imagine anybody like you know not wanting that ticket but they have their right. own trip going so they don't want to you know spoil it I guess but nope nope alright gang uh, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk the purple one
0: so we'll be right back
1: Kiss, they may look insane. Kiss, your game. is Kiss. This is Kiss, each sold separately, and you can put them in any crazy pose you kiss, want. That's the name. Kiss, they may look
0: insane. Kiss, it rocks your game.
1: It's Kiss. Kiss, each 12 and a half inch figure sold separately by Mego. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country western and blues in the year of our Lord, 1955. On this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity individualism and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of mad jack to witness their long past the sell by date asses on stage and with its chauvinism, misogyny and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities and with its aging fist shaking fan base kicking every would be rocker off their proverbial lawn rock has indeed passed into the celestial void may rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber amen, amen. thank you for that scott you are listening to the rock and roll autopsy podcast the autopsy Welcome
0: back. Let me take you back to 1984. Man, what a great year in music 1984 was, Scott. Right? We had Bruce Springsteen, we had, um, let's see, we had Michael Jackson, um, Thriller, um, and we also had Purple Rain by Prince. This album was released just a couple of days before the movie came out, so it was released as a soundtrack to the movie, but also a standalone album. So w- the album was released. And let me tell you a little story. If, if you don't mind me setting, setting this autopsy up for you and for our one dear listener out there. So one day, if, if anybody doesn't know who Tipper is, let me refresh you on who Tipper is Tipper Gore, former, you know, first lady vice president. I don't know how you say that, but she's Al Gore's wife, Al Gore, former vice president back in the eighties. He was in politics. I think he was a Senator or something like that. Right. And so one day Tipper Gore caught her 11 year old daughter listening to the song that we're going to autopsy tonight, darling Nikki. And consequently, she had a pretty big meltdown about that. Um, and then uh, so, so out of that big giant meltdown from her daughter listening to Prince, she formed the PM, the PMRC and all of those parental advisory stickers that everybody's has seen all over the albums and CDs all came from her 11 year old daughter listening to this song. So this song is directly responsible for the PMRC being formulated. So thank you, Prince. Thank you. So yes, this is, darling Nikki. If anybody, if anybody fucking sends me a message and tell me that this isn't a rock song, you're out of your, you're out of your fucking gourd. Okay, this is very much a rock song. You're insane if you don't think it is. So this is, darling Nikki, off of the Purple Rain album. In 1984, Prince wrote and produced every fucking thing that he ever did. And this was uh
1: actually the label is Warner Brothers. So there you go. Thank you, Rico. All right, gang. It is rock and roll autopsy, the song, Darling Nikki off the album Purple Rain. It is a rock album. You are correct, sir. The year 1984, the artist Prince. King of Rock Minnesota. and Roll Autopsy. We've got Five categories, they are Gratuitous Boomerism, Excessive Misogyny, Wanton Whiteness, Malignant Machismo, and Culture Vulturism. Gratuitous Boomerism, Category 1, Rico, how do you score, sir? So... I thought I thought about this. Actually, this was a
0: this was a fun one to get ready for because I, I'm a a big Prince fan. Uh, calling him a genius is is not encompassing the breadth of his talent, and um, we're all we're all at a, at a loss that he's not making more music. But excessive misogyny. So you would think that. Um, you know, the topic of the song and the way that it was recorded, which we'll get into, and the, the genre of music is ultimately relatable. But I'm going to give this one, I'm going to give this one a one, believe it or not. And here's why. Because in today's society, a man could not sing this song and get away with it. And it will that will lead me into the next our next category, but simply because there's a man singing this song. Now, we've seen, I've sent you links. Beyonce's done a cover of this. Rihanna's done a cover of this. Um, the only t- the only m- m- famous male who's done a cover of this is the Foo Fighters, actually in 1996 i think and that's the only reason why they continue to even do it is because they covered it like 20 fucking some years ago and it was still okay back then um but now a guy could not cover this song and get away with it and he prince probably couldn't create this song in today's society and it be as popular as it wound up being so for that reason it's going to get a one for me I
1: don't want to do that, but I kind of, I feel like I have to. Well, you're correct. You absolutely have to, because we're not grading this song and we're not performing this autopsy through the eyes of middle-aged gen Xers. We are trying to view it in the, uh, we're trying to view it through the lens of the modern era, modern sensibilities, right? That is correct. So we're trying to go against our uh the era from which we come and we got to view it with modern sensibilities that's the whole point here so for that reason one uh we have prince who is born in 1958 which puts him firmly ensconced in the sweet spot of boomerdom uh runs from 46 to 64 so he's right in there so prince is prince rogers nelson is a boomer okay that is the obligatory 0.5 right there i mean he gets an instant 0.5 just for being a boomer now the song itself darling nikki yes you're correct this is a song that um you know is not gonna fly uh with a male singing it today now i think that um I think that Dave Grohl could still get away with it. I think he's got a he's got the Boy Scout badge um, that he's wearing proudly, and I think I think they'll give him a pass. But this song is just not it's not going to go over well to today, and so I'm going to give it a one as well. Um, yes, let's go on to category two: excessive yeah. misogyny. And I have the lyrics pulled up. If you'd like to uh, hear them, please hit me with some lyrics. I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine. She said, how'd you like to waste some time? And I could not resist when I saw little Nikki grind. She took me to her castle. I just couldn't believe my eyes. She had so many devices, everything that money could buy. She said, sign your name on the dotted line. The lights went out. And Nikki started to grind. I'll stop right there. Well, go with the go with the
0: next the next line because the next line gives you a false sense of a certain direction that this is in. So go ahead with the next line real quick. About sure. I don't know if it was
1: my uh go ahead. The castle started spinning, yeah. or maybe it was my brain. I can't tell you what she did to me, but my body will never be the same. Oh, her lovin' will kick your behind. Oh, she'll show you no mercy, but she's show enough, show enough, show you how to grind, but she'll okay. show enough, show enough, show you how to grind. Right. So
0: without having seen the movie, if you just listen to the song, Prince puts all of the power and all of the control in the woman's hands, right? Yes. I was going to comment on that, but thank you. However, if you see the movie, it's actually the complete opposite. So let me, for those of you who it's been a long time since you've seen the movie, or if you've never seen the movie, spoiler alert, I'm going to give away a little bit of it. So this 40 is years the, old, Rico. Yeah, it's okay. Who you never know? Right. Um, So this is the part of the movie. Okay. The main love interest of Prince is Apollonia. Okay. And so this is the part of the movie where they're kind of on the outs and Prince isn't happy about it. And she's, she's taken up with Morris day now. Like, so now she's with Morris day, which is Prince's big rival. And so the only, yes. And the only way, Prince knows how to dig at her, the way he really wants to dig at her is to put it to music. And so he cre- he this is the song that he creates to dig at her for leaving him and and hooking up with Morris Day. So it's actually not putting the control in the woman's hands. He's actually using it as a tool to dig at her for leaving him. And so for that reason alone, I have got to give this man do I want to give it a full one? I kind of have to, I got to give it a full one because Morris day and Prince are fighting over this girl. And she's kind of sort of objective. She's just like this, this object of desire, the entire movies. And so, and, and that with the, the real reason this song was created in the movie, it's got to get a full one for me.
1: Um, let me. I'm on I'm reading the lyrics from songmeanings.com which yeah. always has lyrics and then underneath it it has like a little um it has a comment area where people put their theories about song meanings. Yeah little off topic, but this sure. first one is really interesting. I'd like to read a little bit of it. It's from Go 2008. It. The author is Sir underscore Larrikin. So thank you, Sir underscore Larrikin, for the comment. It's interesting. I'm going to read it. I think that the – and because you mentioned Tipper Gore, um, it actually politically has uh, the very first line references that. If if For those of you who may be younger listeners or if you're old like us and your brain is fried – the 80s were a super and this isn't political, it's just a comment. The 80s were super like uh conservative. The country started going returning to conservative values after the tumultuous 1960s and 70s, right? Correct. Correct. Free love and hippies and all that shit. So now we go to like pastel polos and Reagan, right? So as the country gets more conservative, there's this uh there's these Christian moralists that kind of take over the the oh, take over the debate within the country, right? So you have this satanic panic. There's these Christian moralists. You've got all this on TV with Jimmy Swagger and Jim Baker and Nancy and all that stuff. And I think Tipper Gore was trying to position, you know, because the left was the side of the, hippies and the free love, and they got to try to get kind of politically, they've got to align themselves a little bit with what's happening and what's popular to kind of keep some votes coming their way. Right? So I think in a sense, a little bit of it was politically motivated because they kind of had to carve out a place within the Christian moral movement to kind of have a, have a seat at the table, if you will. So this person's first comment says, I think the song is an intentional jab at the moral majority. I don't feel that the song is about having sex with the hooker. In truth, I believe that Nicky is the devil. Old Nick is one of Satan's nicknames. The singer signs on the dotted line to seal the contract on his soul. We just read that verse. Mm-hmm. What he is selling it for is unknown. Maybe just an amazing sexual experience. However, my body will never be the same makes me think that he sells his soul for some physical change or attribute and that the sex is either a bonus to the actual transformation or else a metaphor for the change. The use of the word castle indicates one of royalty, Satan being the leader of hell. And to tempt people, there is everything that money could buy. His head is spinning, not knowing what he's in store for. This is a hallmark of an individual that undergoes a transformation. Her love will kick your behind. She'll show no mercy. Could be attributes of Satan. The backmasking at the end of the song. There's a backmasked part. Certainly a wink at religious zealots who claim that rock is evil. We end our podcast with one of those every day, if you listen that far. And that Satan hides messages in backwards lyrics. In this case, Prince laughs at them by telling them what they already believe, that the Lord is coming soon. And that's what the backmasking actually is, uh, is of. That is correct. The word grind makes me think, though, rather than being a euphemism for sex, I wonder if the word grind is using the definition of work. The devil works his magic. Grind, grind, grind is repeated in the song. Interestingly enough, and this is probably just a few irrelevant coincidences, but in 1985, there was a Broadway play that bombed called Grind. First coincidence, the director was Hal Prince. Second coincidence, it was about an African-American 1930s burlesque house third it featured a character that is a stripper named satin or satan so a lot of i just thought that was a really cool wow, that's, kind of interpretation uh, that's of the a, song
0: that's a pretty pretty cool interpretation of the song i must say yeah uh, and it ties
1: in the political happenings that i attempted to kind of lay out without upsetting anyone at the beginning and then it kind of I just thought it was a really cool way of looking at it. And then when I read I the lyrics, I agree. can't help but to think of that interpretation. And if, if Prince was operating on that level, commenting on kind of the political, um, n- the political kind of underpinnings that were happening in the eighties, that's pretty fucking clever. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I've never
0: read or heard anything in his music or him, you know, quoting or commenting on anything that he's ever been political to that degree but that doesn't mean that he wasn't you know what i mean um and and to back up like the, the backwards part at the end i have it here it's if you run it backwards to so the backwards is actually forward it's hello how are you i'm fine because i know that the lord is coming soon coming coming soon so that's the backwards part at the end which certainly supports right that what that person is saying so that's pretty cleverly thought out i have to have to give him that for sure
1: and as far as prince being political maybe when the politics comes home to roost in your chosen vocation of musician that's when you get political case in point prince was also one of the people who joined lars Ulrich in the napster battle so when things come home to roost, like the moral majority suddenly ending up on your doorstep saying, uh, we don't like the songs you're writing or college kids file sharing now, very political individual, right? So sometimes things have to kind of end up on your doorstep sure. before you give a shit, right? Yeah. And with
0: with Napster, with the Napster thing, Prince was notoriously very protective of his yes. music. He didn't even want anybody covering his music right um, let alone listening to it for free so um, uh, but yeah so um very cleverly written very well thought out but i'm still giving it a one for the reasons
1: why i said what's your score i am going to give it a 0. 0.5 i'm not going to go with a full one because i'm basically splitting the difference between what you laid out about the movie which is correct and the interpretation one might get just from following the lyrics on the record if you separated it from the movie where the power is in the hands of the woman.
0: Now, having said
1: that, if a modern person read this, or if even if my wife read this, she'd think, yeah, I'm not down with that. Right. So that is, that's I can't only see things from a male perspective. So if I'm, I don't know how a woman might feel about this, maybe then it would be a full one. Right. So I'm splitting the difference and chickening out a little bit. I'm going to give it a point. (laughs) Fair enough. Just, all right, let's all right. move on. Let's Category three: wanton whiteness. Rico, how do you score? And is this going to be as obvious as one might think?
0: Um, in my opinion, I, I'm well because you said that. I, I'm I'm going to stick with my zero on this for obvious reasons. Um, but I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this because I know you have an angle here. So mine's going to be
1: a zero but I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I mean, Prince is how to put this. This is a rock record. I think you kind of like threw down the gauntlet at the beginning when you're like, and anybody who gets mad at me for having this on the podcast, this is a song is a rock song. I agree. I think this is a rock record. I think the Eminem show is a rock record. I think uh-huh. Stevie wonder in the seventies put out rock records, you know, um, I think James Brown rocks and so you know I think this is a rock record I think it's a rock song okay agree Prince has some shredding fucking guitar on this record okay just listen to Let's Go Crazy
0: I mean he goes he he goes crazy on that song yes there's there's distorted guitar
1: in almost every one of these songs the beginning of when the doves cry right the the entire song purple rain is a rock power ballad that soon became really popular in another couple years in the 80s right (laughs) that is a a, straight up rock power ballad yes with a giant you know comfortably numb guitar solo at the end (laughs) right
0: exactly so
1: as i'm saying all of this And I'm basically trying to say this is a, it's almost a white ass 80s rock album. Big guitar solos, big power ballad, big hair, (laughs) you know, flashy clothes. I mean, Prince doesn't dress too differently than the guys in Britney Fox in the 80s. Okay. So, you know, um, and no bass whatsoever on the record. This is one of the, okay, if, many people I was, hope,
0: I was hoping you'd want to talk about the production on this because i kind of did it's i do and this is
1: where i'm going to talk about it cuz i think it's, it fits it's i okay prince musical genius and you said in your um in your um autopsy report you said he not only does he play all the instruments and and write all the music he produces all this stuff too this record sounds like shit it's an eighties. It's an, I even listened to the two 2015 remance remaster and a, and beat them. I hate the production of this record. It almost ruins it. Almost. If the songs weren't so jaw droppingly good, it would ruin the record. This record is guilty of every eighties production sin imaginable. Thank you. Giant Thank you for saying that giant reverb on the drums the the fucking the the guitar like if you it's able to so the-,
0: the guitar is so far behind everything else and some of these songs are so guitar centric and yet they still push the guitar behind the keyboards and the drums the keyboards are pulled way forward the gigantic snare drum is pulled way forward and Wendy, you can barely hear her. You can't even hear the bass guitar player. All that shit is pushed way back. I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about this because I did.
1: There are almost zero decent tones of any kind on this record. There's no good. The guitars sound like the whole thing sounds like it was recorded in a shoebox. And uh, so it <laughs> it really is almost unlistenable. It's like injustice for all. It's it has. Yeah. There's no sense of the room in any of these recordings there. It just sounds really, really small. And in a shoot, listen to the guitar on let's get crazy. The opening track, it is the, it is so pushed back and small. And it's just, there's no room for air in any of these songs. They, they, in the production of any of these songs, again, they're all incredibly performed, immaculately crafted it's brilliant songwriting this is one of the worst sounding records and the fact that they did a remaster in 2015 it doesn't sound any better i don't understand what the issue is can someone there's no bass on the record so i say all this to say this okay we're going to go full-on lisa marie it's what we're going to call this from now on. let's do it man prince is dead r.i.p But Prince had a long problem for a lot of years with cocaine and Percocets, okay? It's well documented. We've talked about this on this podcast. This is a cocaine ears album as the cocaine in the heart of the cocaine era 80s. So this is, and I spent a good portion of my evening just browsing cocaine CD uh, dark web of the internet cocaine websites to find what junkies say about cocaine and you know what junkies say fucks what? your hearing up it's like having <laughs> tinnitus i mean the fucking your ears are ringing all the time you feel like you gotta pop them all the time this is a cocaine ears record check this out this is from a board that no one should go to because it's probably going to infect your phone with the virus this person says Sound engineers and producers shared anecdotal evidence and avoided it if they were wise. Expect shifts in perceived overall volume, relative changes in perception of level at different frequencies, notably upper mid range, typically increased sensitivity. Okay. So we're talking about experienced engineers will make note of EQ and other settings if a band or producer start using cocaine during a session. So they know where they were before the tweaking began. Sober reflection the next day will invariably require resetting the shape of the sound. So this is we're in the cocaine era. This is a cocaine album. It's a cocaine movie. It's a cocaine artist. I'm sorry. Okay, so i say all that to say this it's a one for wanton whiteness if nothing
0: more than the whitest from all the coke that went into the engineering right the
1: production is the whitest there's no bottom
0: end i mean dude all i was thinking about that all like everything was recorded in the same way all the guitars pushed back the big giant snare drum Dude, in fact, if you and I thought about this song when it gets really like, especially at the end where where he says, show enough, show you how to grind. And then it's like the super big peak climax is at the end of the song, right? And that's where you want like your that's where you want fucking Wendy and Prince just fucking going nuts on the guitars, right? But no, in fact, they turn they leave the guitars in the back and they turn the the keyboardist left hand <laughs> into the guitar, the, into the heavy guitar that you want the guitar to sound like, right? It's insanity that they do that. Like, let's go crazy at the beginning. That, dun, dun, that should blow your face off when yes. that guitar comes in. It yeah. should absolutely blow your face off, and it doesn't. Yeah. You can barely hear it
1: yeah it sounds like a walmart guitar recorded with a walmart amplifier in a shoebox i mean it sounds so small
0: and that's the opening track on this album and it should absolutely blow your head off and it doesn't
1: it's it's got no bass i mean the record has no bottom end to speak of there aren't any good tones on it no all right we're gonna run out of time let's move on (laughs) category four malignant machismo rico how do you score I'm going to give a zero for
0: malignant machismo, because um, in my opinion, Prince's modus operandi, if you will, was he exuded uber amounts of sexuality, but in, but in an anti macho way. He almost he almost came off feminine, which gave him even more sex appeal. So for me, this is a big giant zero because he just wasn't like that. He he went kind of the opposite direction. So, it's a yeah, zero I- for me.
1: I, I think that's spot on Rico and I just don't and I just don't see it in the song. I mean, it's sexual, no. but it's not, you know, it's it's almost his character hard th- in this. Yeah, his character in this song is actually
0: actually on the on the how do I want to put this? He's not. Help me out here. He's not in he's not the controlling party in this song. And so that right. would be that definitely would not be machismo. So anyway, yeah, sorry to
1: interrupt. Didn't mean to interrupt you on that. You're good. He's in like a subservient kind of yes, uh, that's what yeah, I'm looking for. Position. Yeah. So malignant machismo, I'm gonna give it a zero. Let's move on to our final category. Our listeners who have stuck with us through this podcast through sixty episodes now. This is episode sixty. Did you ever think we'd get to sixty? Uh six is is was good for me, but no 60 is awesome it's amazing we Love keep it. at it um there's going to be another 60 so buckle oh yeah all right. So the final category is culture vulturism. I know you're on the edge of your seat out there. You want to know how we score this bad. We've surprised you with some of our scores this episode. So let's see if the stunning conclusions continue Rico culture vulturism. How do you score, sir?
0: Um, It's not going to get a zero for me. Although Prince is super unique. You know, Prince, when you hear him, nobody sounds like Prince. However, going back to our discussion on the way the song was produced and the engineering is the same as all the other fucking engineering from that time, from that time period, it all with the, the, you know, the guitars way in the back and the super huge snare drum and, and all that stuff. So on top of that, Prince's Prince Prince's one of Prince's big giant influences in his life was obviously James Brown. Right. Um, he spent his whole career being james brown and so if i look at just how much james brown influenced what he did on stage and in the in in the engineering room and on and musically along with the the shitty ass production value that encompassed every one of these cocaine albums in the 80s i'm (laughs) not i'm gonna not do a full one but i'm gonna for sure go a 0.5 on this one
1: all right rico i'm gonna and i appreciate the james brown reference that's that's spot i mean prince is like a hybrid of like tina turner james brown Jimi hendrix he's got a lot going on in that yeah. in that soup and that's a big part of what makes him makes him cool it's For funny because sure. i remember back then we were always thinking it was prince versus michael jackson did you sense that back then yeah yeah definitely and they like couldn't they be would... more different from one another holy crap no totally different totally yeah.
0: different. well prince prince well, Michael Jackson wrote his stuff, too, but in a different way. Prince, Michael Jackson was more like a singer entertainer, and I
1: think Prince was a songwriter, and there are two different worlds there. Michael wrote with his mouth. I mean, he would like beatbox the music, and then the guitar player would have to like figure out. Transposes beatboxing to guitar. That's you know, absolutely so. true. Unless you're Eddie Van Halen and you just like rearrange the whole song while <laughs> Michael Jackson is gone and it winds up being a huge hit because of that. So I'll plug Rick Beato. He had Steve, <laughs> he had Steve Lukather on his, uh, pot on his, uh, YouTube show and they go into great detail about what happened during that beat it session and how, oh, yeah. how Michael wrote music. Anyway, sure. culture vulturism. I'm going to give it, uh, I'm going to give it a zero. I'm going to wimp out on this one. Um, but but I do appreciate your angle on it. I, I get it. Um, let's tally it up. What do you say? What do you got, b- sir? B- before
0: I give you my score, sure. you could you don't have to apologize for your culture vulturism score because you could easily score that a zero and be totally right. So there's nothing wrong with that. So I've got two and a half points.
1: And I've got two and a half points.
0: Wow. So that's uh, right in the middle. Five points, so we're saying that this song had no effect on rock and roll in general, which you and I both know that's not the case, but uh, the science works. and it's, Yeah, I mean,
1: we're saying that it didn't, we're saying that ultimately- It didn't kill rock and roll. Yeah, it wasn't, and I don't know that it's possible for Prince to, no matter what he ever said lyrically, to kill rock and roll. That's right. I think this score came out right where it needed to be. If anything, sure. Prince, Prince was super- incredibly important to the to the genre absolutely yeah um, i mean when you
0: think of when you think of um you know prince you know in in his contributions to the music industry this song doesn't immediately come to your brain there's a bunch of other songs that will come to your brain however this song absolutely didn't kill rock so again the science works it's right where it's supposed to be
1: i agree i think we've i think we've punished it appropriately where it needs to in modern sensibilities yet not allowing those uh modern perspectives to penalize prince so much so that we put him in the penalty box that's correct all right gang it's been rock and roll autopsy good Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah!
0: Let me tell you, so the
1: lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous.
0: Guys, it was like a mistake. There's
1: no mistake anymore. To the dawn. Love it hey, to the, the moment. I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone.
0: Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rockandrollautopsy at gmail.com and if we run across anything good. We'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later.
1: Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man.